say amen to that. That was wonderful. I appreciate that, and I uh, appreciate the, the folks that don't normally sing, singing this morning. I was glad to see Brother Daniel up here and Brother Mark, and how about little Callie? Didn't she do a good job? And uh, yeah, give her a hand. And uh, she's, uh, I'll go ahead and, and let the cat out of the bag, uh, because, well, I don't know who put the cat in the bag, but I'm going to let it out anyways. Uh, Callie is going to sing a special at the end of the month. So uh, she's going to sing one for us and, and sing all by herself. And so we're looking forward to that. Amen. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord is in this place this morning. And I love Him and uh, just glad to be here. I'm going to be reading out of the book of Luke this morning. If you want to follow along with me, uh, the book of Luke chapter 24 and verse number 1. And I'm going to read 12 verses from that and uh, believe it or not I'm going to preach about the resurrection of Jesus so Luke chapter 24 verse number 1 if you would please stand to honor the reading of God's word uh, if you're able to stand if not uh, we, you, can, you can just remain seated if you're there please say amen Luke chapter 24 verse 1 says this it says now upon the first day of the week very early in the morning they came into the sepulcher bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them and they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass as they were much perplexed thereabout. Behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words and returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and other women that were with them which told these things unto the apostles. And their words seemed to them as idle tales and they believed them not. Then arose Peter and ran into the sepulcher and stooping down he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves and departing wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And once again, God, we come to you in prayer thanking you for allowing us to be here today. God, I just pray that you would bless as your word goes out because, God, we know that your word is anointed and it will never return void. And, God, I just pray that as I preach this morning, Lord, that you would give me the unction and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to preach as, as only you can preach. And, God, I pray that, that the message goes out, Lord, that, that people learn about the risen Savior and, and people accept this this morning that may not have accepted that Jesus is alive. And God, I just pray that you would do your work as only you can. God, give me clarity of mind and clarity of speech. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, if you've got your Bibles and you want to follow along, you can. 
But I'm actually going to go now to the book of John, and we're going to talk about the events leading up to where we just read. Now, Caleb uh, preached Friday night on the crucifixion, and I'll say this, that this week, the, the, the Holy Week as we call it, some people call it the Passion Week, some people call it the Holy Week, and, and it's, it's a, a bunch of different things, but this is actually, it coincides with the Jewish Passover, and that's why Jesus was in town, it was to celebrate the Passover, and so Jesus is in town. And we preached about last week how that he came riding in on a donkey, if, if you remember that, and how the, the people sang, said, Hosanna, which means what? Save us now. And then Jesus was, was pretty quiet on Tuesday and Wednesday. And then Thursday, things really began to, to take place. Now I want you to understand this, that Jesus dying on the cross was no backup plan. Can you say amen to that? I think a lot of times people regard this as, as that Jesus had to die on the cross because the law of Moses didn't work. Because people couldn't keep the law and because we couldn't live how we were supposed to. And God said, oh hey, I've got an idea. I'll send my beloved son to die on the cross and maybe that will work. That is not how it took place. God had this plan from the beginning of time that Jesus would come and die on a cross. And so we get to John chapter 18. And I'm going to take you back a couple of days from Sunday. We're going to go back to Saturday, Friday, and then we're going to go back to Thursday. And in John chapter number 18 and verse number 1 it says this, talking about Jesus. It says, and when Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth and his disciples over the brook Kidron. There was a garden, where was a garden, into which he entered and his disciples. Now I want to set you up for this and I want you to understand just how important this is. I appreciate Brother Cecil picking those songs about the lamb this morning. And I want you to understand that this, this brook, Kidron, when we read over it, we just, we just read it and we don't think about the significance of what Jesus just crossed over. I want you to understand this. If you go to Jerusalem today, if you go to that city, it is sitting sort of on a hillside. And on the eastern side of the city, just inside the wall, was the temple of God. It was the, the temple mount. And then right outside the eastern gate, you had the valley of Kidron. And running right through the middle of this valley, and I promise this is going somewhere, there was this brook or this creek or this stream, whatever you want to call it, called Kidron. And now it is spelled K-I-D-R-O-N, but in the Bible it's C-E-D-R-O-N. And the significance of that little brook is this. Remember what week it is, Right? Jesus is there to celebrate the Passover and they go and, and they're celebrating this and when the Passover came we, we all should understand that the Passover was when the lamb was sacrificed. And so up at the temple, up in this holy place, these Jewish priests, they were sacrificing lambs by the hundreds if not the thousands. And, and the people were bringing their sins and, and they were bringing these lambs in order to try to, to cover their sins. And these priests, they were slaughtering these innocent lambs and the blood had to go somewhere, right? Think about, you ever thought about that when you read the Old Testament? If you read much of the Old Testament, you think about sacrifices and all the blood that came out. And, and, and I'm not trying to be gross, but, but it took the blood to save us, Amen. And so the blood, it would actually run out and it would run down the hillside and it would end up in the brook of Kidron. 
It would run downhill. It's just a natural water course and it would run. And so uh, the, the Jewish teachers teach this and history teaches that during the time of the Passover that the, the, the brook of Kidron would actually run red with the blood of all the lambs. And so Jesus crossed this brook and no doubt that when he crossed this brook he looked down and he saw this blood running down through here and thought These are, this is the blood of the lambs that are being sacrificed just up the hill, just at the top of the hill. And, 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 and he said, he looked at this and, and I don't know what Jesus was thinking but I would like to think, hey, I'm about to be that sacrifice. And then immediately thereafter, after he crosses the brook of Kidron, after he crosses over that sacrificial blood, Judas betrays him. Judas comes and he kisses the Lord Jesus in the garden. And, and you can actually see the garden from this. This is not a very distant uh, thing. That they, they, and so they arrest Jesus and they have these mock trials. These were travesties. They, they were travesties of law. They were fake as fake could be. They, they had fake witnesses. They didn't have anybody that could pass judgment. And so Jesus is, is tried and Jesus is condemned to die. Now I want you to understand this, that a lot of times we get, we get mad at the Jews, don't we? You ever, you ever read that? And, and I won't try not to, to, to step into Caleb's sermon too much. But I, I, we've got to understand the gravity that it was that Jesus died on a cross. And we all, oftentimes we read that where the Jews, what did they say? They said, crucify him, right? And, and Pilate looked at him and he said, I find no guilt in this man. And yet they yelled, the more crucify him. And I used to read my Bible and I used to get angry and I would have just said, if they would have just kept their mouth shut, Jesus wouldn't have had to die. But I want you to understand, if those people would have kept their mouth shut, Jesus would have had to die anyways. Because if Jesus hadn't died, we would be hopelessly lost. And so you move on in the book of John, and it begins to tell about the trial, and how that, that Pilate said he found no fault in him, and, and, and he asked Jesus questions. And, and, I like, and I won't preach this today, it would take way too long. But they begin to question Jesus, do you claim to be king of the Jews do you claim to have that power? And Pilate said, do you not understand that I have the power to kill you? And Jesus said this. He said, you don't have any power unless my Father gives it to you. I want you to understand, they couldn't have killed Jesus. And so they beat him with the cat of nine tails. And they, and they, they, they just go out and they mock him and, and all these things. And he walks and carries his cross, and then he, get, he goes down. They get a man, Joseph of Arimathea, and then, and then in John chapter 19, and I'm trying to just get, hit the high points, Jesus is crucified. And several statements, in fact seven of them, were made from the cross. But the most important one is this, and you know what it was? It's on that banner right there. Everybody see that banner? It is finished. Jesus on Thursday was arrested and this was, was early Friday morning. Jesus is crucified. And that man that had just walked across the brook of Kidron and saw the blood of the sacrificial lamb had now poured out his blood, the perfect blood. But here's the thing about it. When Jesus died on the cross, he became the sacrifice for our sins. 
You, you think about your life, and, and we like, and Caleb even mentioned this in his sermon, we like to think about how rotten uh, the sin of Hitler would have been, and he mentioned Saddam Hussein and all these guys. But I want you to understand this, that Jesus took your sin. It's personal. I, I know what kind of sins I have committed, and, and, and I hate to say this, but I know what kind of sins other people have committed in the world. And we see all this sin in the fact that Jesus had to bear this on that cross, and he did it voluntarily, and he said, it is finished. And then we get to John chapter 19, and I'm going to read the burial of Jesus. John chapter 19, verse 38. And it says, and after this, after Jesus died... Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him leave, or Pilate gave him the body. And he came therefore and took the body of Jesus, and there also came Nicodemus, which at first came to Jesus by night. Verse 40, And then they took the body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothes with the spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden a new sepulcher, wherein was never man yet laid. There laid they Jesus, therefore, because of the Jews' preparation day, for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. You understand the scene of the cross, and was a, was a, it was a somber mood. Could you imagine that? Actually, have you ever been by the bedside of somebody that died? Have you ever been there? I've been there for, for several of them. And, and you understand what it's like, that, that it's a very somber thing, isn't it? It's, it's just, it's just a, a somber place. And, and I can't imagine how much worse it would be to stand by the cross of somebody who had been murdered. Do you understand that? Somebody that you love was hanging on a cross, and, and, and here's the cross this morning, and, and they were actually beaten nearly to death and then crucified, and you see their blood. I can imagine that it would be just a, a scene that would just, would just defeat everybody. It would just, it would just pull the, the wind right out of you, wouldn't it? But these men, Joseph and Nicodemus, they go and they ask for the body of Jesus. And at this time, they, they weren't really sure what was going to happen. But they thought he ought to have a proper burial. Now I want you to notice something in this scripture that it said this. That in, in, in this it said that they wound him. In verse 40, they took the body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothes. We often have this misconception that Jesus was buried in a robe. You know, like we bury people in our everyday suits or, or, or our overalls or whatever that you wear every day. But Jesus is actually wound up sort of like you would imagine a mummy. And he was put in the tomb. And for those three days, the people, the disciples, they were, they were defeated. And they were, they, were just, they were just downtrodden and thought, now what do we do? We have given up our lives to serve this man, Jesus. And these people say, hey, he was able to raise himself from the dead. And yet three days later, he's, he's still dead. How could this happen? And then we get to John chapter 20. I'm going to read it as well. John chapter 20 verse 1. I'm going to read another account because all four gospels have an account of what happened. It says, In the first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark unto the sepulcher. 
and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. And then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre, and we know not where they have laid him. So even when they get there early in the morning, they look around and they say, they're, they're on their way, and I want you to imagine this. I'm going to talk about the sepulchre for a minute. I know I'm throwing a lot of information at you, but this is important that we realize these things. The sepulchre was basically a cave. They didn't bury Jesus in the ground like they would us. And this stone, you know, we see a picture of a stone, how a couple of guys we thought could have just rolled that stone. But, but Jewish tradition tells us that it would have took 20 men to move this stone. 20 men, 20 strong men. And these women had enough faith to go there that day to anoint the body of Jesus. Do you understand what that means? I believe that these women had a little bit of faith, don't you? These women had enough faith to go, and and no doubt they probably watched 20 men put that stone there. And on top of that, there was probably 16 Roman soldiers. You know, in our Sunday school class, we always see two Roman soldiers standing outside the grave, and, and they're supposed to be guarding Jesus. A Roman guard never went less than 16 men. It was called a quantarian. And they gave them 16 soldiers to guard this tomb. And yet these women went there with confidence that they would be able to find Jesus. And so they get there and they see that the stone is not in its place anymore. And and, and instead of celebrating, you know what they say? Somebody must have stolen the body of Jesus. They say, hey, well, what's happened? Somebody has come. Maybe those Roman soldiers moved the stone and, and Pilate sent some people to come get Jesus' body and secure it even better. Now what are we going to do? And so the mood went from bad to worse. Right? It, there, there's no celebration going on. In fact, they're weeping. And so we read on and we says, And Peter went forth and came to the sepulcher and they ran. And I'm going to read in, in 20 verse 5. And he stooping down looked in and saw the linen clothes, these ones that Jesus were wrapped in, lying, yet he went not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulcher and seeth the linen clothes lie. And the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. And you read, and, and, and on into verse number 10, it says, Then the disciples went away again into their own home. Verse 11, here's where it gets good. Business picks up. It says, But Mary stood without at the sepulcher, weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher, and see two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? And she saith unto him, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. Verse 14, And when she had said thus, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, and knew not that it was Jesus. And Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto her, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast taken him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. And she turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. So Jesus 
appears in the garden. Now I want you to understand this. I don't know exactly all the events that transpired between when Jesus died and Jesus rose again. There's a lot of theories on it and some of you probably have your own opinions. We won't share those today, okay? But I know this, that when Jesus died, you know what he said? He said, into my Father's hands, into your hands I commend my spirit. So we know it seems that Jesus went back and, and, and commended his spirit to God. And, and Jesus' spirit literally left his body. There's a belief of this. I want, I want to explain a couple of beliefs to you. One belief is this, is that Jesus did not actually die. That Jesus was just rendered unconscious due to blood loss. And a lot of people teach this to these days, uh, to this day that Jesus was just unconscious and they weren't sure that he was really dead because medical technology is not what it is today and that they mistakenly thought he had died and they put him in the tomb and, and that's how they explain all of this. But let me tell you, Jesus was dead. And because he was dead, he became the sacrifice. But I want you to understand this, if it would have stopped right there, if, if we would have just stopped at the cross, we would be in trouble. Because then we would be like every other religion in the world. See, every other religion, you know what they have? They have somebody that died and they're still dead. You know that you can go, I, I wouldn't recommend it, but you can if you wanted to. You can get on an airplane today and Ronnie Lee might take you over there. You can fly to Mecca, Saudi Arabia. And they have this big black shrine, three times, four times the size of this church building. And you know who's in that shrine? Muhammad, the prophet of, of the Muslims. And you can go all over the world and you can see where they have their, their, their highest regarded people enshrined. And you can find their graves. But Jesus came out of his grave. And that's what makes the difference between us and everybody else is we have a risen Savior. Amen? And so when he died on the cross, he became the sacrifice. But when he rose again, that made him the Savior of all men. I want you to understand that. And you know what he was the Savior from? He was our Savior from death. Now here's, we're celebrating for a minute and then we got to get real. I want you to understand this, that the Bible says these words. That the wages of sin is death. Death is something that we're all going to have to face whether we like it or not, right? I don't like to think about that. You know, people, people talk about it, and, and even people my age talk about getting their cemetery plots and picking out their casket and, and getting everything ready. And you know what? Because they know it's inevitable. They're going to die. Everybody's going to die. It's not unique. It's not something that you're going to have to face and nobody else has. Everybody in history has died, even Jesus himself. But the thing about it is, is that because Jesus got up from the grave, He was able to defeat death for us. That means that we don't have to die eternally, that we may have to, to, to die over here, but that we have a hope of eternal life. I think about all the folks that have died in the past year, year and a half that I've been here. Have y'all noticed that? There's been quite a few funerals here lately. And I've preached some of them, I haven't preached some of them. And, and those funerals that I preach, I can stand up there and I can say with confidence that we will see those people again. And you know why I can say that? Because Jesus defeated death for them. And they accepted that and they accepted Jesus as their Savior. And I can stand with confidence and say that I will see them again. I like what the angel 
asked them, asked them in, in Luke chapter 24. He said, why? He said, do you seek, in, in verse number 5, why seek you the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. What a glorious thought to think that we serve a risen Savior this morning. The reason that I get up and come to church to serve Jesus every week is because He is alive, not because He is dead. Amen? I have that hope in my heart, and you too this morning can have the hope of Jesus Christ in your heart. So many people reject Jesus, and so many people overlook what Jesus did for them. But I tell you what, if Jesus was willing to die for your sins, I believe I would take him up on his offer of eternal life. Don't you? And I think today would be a good day to do that. I can't think of a better day to get saved than Easter Sunday. Wouldn't that be wonderful, Mason, to see somebody get saved on Easter Sunday? To think that that Jesus died and that you can actually be saved from your sins and that you can actually have that new life in you. I want you to understand this. When somebody gets saved, do you know that, that they actually become alive? In you right now, you're a three-part being. I, I want to explain this. There's people here that may not normally be here and may not understand the process of how this works. So I just want to lay it out there for you, okay? God is Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. There's three parts to Him. And every one of us, we also have three parts. Did you know that? We have what you can see in our flesh. We have a soul, which is what what spends eternity somewhere. And then we have a spirit. Now the thing about it is, is when sin came on the scene in Genesis chapter 3, and man sinned, our spirit died within us. Did you know that? And if you're here this morning and you're lost, that means that you are spiritually dead. Your body may be alive, but your spirit could be dead. And the wonderful thing about it is is that when Jesus resurrected from that tomb, is that He made it possible for you to to be alive, for your spirit to be resurrected, and so that you can live with Him forever. Why would you reject that? Why would, anybody, uh, why would anybody reject a risen Savior? I read that, 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 uh, that being a Muslim, what, what's that called, Ronnie? What is it? What? I can't remember. Islam. Yeah, Islam is the greatest and fastest growing religion in the world. And they're serving somebody that's dead. Why would we not want to serve somebody that is alive? Amen? And, and as a church, we should celebrate Him and, and lift Him up and, and say, worthy was that Lamb. Worthy was the Lamb that was sacrificed for my sins. But not only was He the sacrifice, He is this morning the Savior. So we could sing, worthy is our Savior. He is our Savior this morning. I can't preach anything new to you about, about the, the Easter story or about the resurrection accounts. That every preacher has not preached. But you know what? I don't have to this morning. I don't have to tell you something different. Because it's all laid out in scripture very clearly what happened. That Jesus died and is risen again. And what's wonderful about it is because he is risen. He is now sitting at the right hand of his father. Making intercession for each one of us. What a wonderful thought to know that we have a risen Savior. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And Lord, we thank you for this wonderful story. And Lord, I thank you for sending your Son to die on the cross for my sins. But Lord, I thank you most of all that when he died, that he is now risen again. 
And Lord, that He is sitting at Your right hand making intercession for us. And God, right now, I just pray for the lost that may be in this service. And Lord, I've done the best that I know how to tell them about the plan of salvation. And God, I just pray that this morning that somebody would come to the realization that they're not serving the risen Savior. But Lord, they may be serving their self. Lord, they may be serving the world. They may be serving something else. But God, I just pray that somebody would become a new believer this morning. God, I just pray that the Holy Spirit would move upon people and open eyes to see you. And God, we praise you. And Lord, we thank you for the sacrifice that was made. Lord, we lift you up. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand.